Acts chapter 2. Have you ever worked with someone who did things half-hearted? I mean, have you ever worked with someone that they just did it just good enough? Or maybe you're the person. You do things just good enough. It, it wasn't wholehearted. It, it was just, eh, it's, you know, you got the job done. And maybe it wasn't the, but I, I did it pretty fast. I, I did it, it was good enough, good enough. They were half-hearted. Well, as we go to our text today, we're going to remind ourselves of a group of saints, of followers of Christ, that were anything but half-hearted. In fact, if the opposite of half is full, they were full-hearted. Not fool, but full, F-U-L-L. Full-hearted. They were so full and dedicated and devoted to what? Well, let's just read it so that we don't go any further. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. You know, and, and even in last week's message, I don't know as if I, I spent a lot of time figuring out who, who, who this is talking about. If you go just a couple verses up, uh, there were several thousand, uh, 3,000 were added to the number that day, verse 41 says. So all these new believers, they had never been to church necessarily before. They'd been in synagogue, Jewish synagogue, and those type of things, but they had never, I mean, this is, in, in a sense, one of the first churches ever born, and look at that, it was a megachurch. So if you don't like megachurches, then, well, there's something wrong. Um, but anyhow, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, so they... All these new believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. Many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to everyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Woo! Oh, listen. Keep on reading. And the next few chapters, the next few books of the New Testament, and you'll see these people weren't perfect. You'll see they had their issues. In fact, we spent a whole year at least in 1 Corinthians. I think it was a year plus in 1 Corinthians where we read about some of the craziness going on in local churches of this time. So these people weren't perfect. But when they started off and when they stayed on and came back to the basics of the Word of God, what the Word of God is saying here, we see blessing. It's almost like they put themselves in a position where God could come and move strategically. Uh, I think it's interesting. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, the NASB, it's another version of the Bible. You, you mostly use the ESV or the NIV. The NASB uh, says it this way. They were continually devoting themselves. It wasn't just a one-time thing. Just over and over and over and over, they, they committed themselves. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm committed to. The imperfect tense for you grammarians. <clears throat> the imperfect tense was, was going on here, meaning it was, it was occurring over and over and over. They were devoting themselves. The drive, the passion, the energy. It didn't necessarily come from a leader. It didn't necessarily come from a leader saying, come on, guys, this is what you need to do here. It didn't come from a social media post. It, it didn't come from a weekly update email. We do those, but that really wasn't what, what, it came, what it came from was a move of the Holy Spirit on their heart. And out of that, out of allowing God to touch their heart, 
out of that, they devoted themselves to do these things. They were all in. I want you to think about that word. Not just one foot in or one foot out, but they were all in, 100%. I'm all in on this thing. I'm devoting myself over and over and over again to this passion, to this desire, to this, what, what, the, what the scripture is saying, I'm all in. Let me just ask you something right now. What are you all in on? If I said to you, like, um, when, things that you're like, I'm, oh yeah, I'm all in on that. I'm not half-hearted in that. What, what are those things? For some of you, maybe, uh, I'm looking at some of you guys. <clears throat> maybe it's your lawn. I, I grew up next to a neighbor one time in our house uh, when I was a kid. And um, uh, my neighbor wasn't in my house. He lived in the house next to us. But um, his lawn, I, you might, I might have told you this before, his lawn was always the lawn that I, I always thought, oh, boy, it'd be cool to have that lawn. Yeah, it'd be great to have that lawn. Because it was like golf course lawn. You know what I'm saying? And I remember even one summer, uh, his lawn, our lawn was just a little bit nicer than his. And his kids told me he was mad because he's spending all this money and, and, and watering and all this kind of, and ours, I, we were hitting a drought. But anyhow, um, but some of you, I can just tell, like your love language is weed and feed. It's like nothing says love like turf builder, you know? And, and I, you're like, I just, and when, if I drove past your house, in fact, if you drive through my neighborhood, it's interesting. You just, okay, yeah, they care, they care. Not so much, not so much. <laughs> they care. When, you get to the, when you get to the Miller house, it's kind of in between. It's, it's not that we don't care. It's just we're not going to spend any money on caring uh, when, it, when it comes to our yard. Um, but some of you, are you all in? Maybe you're all in in fitness. As we start the new year, you're, you know, you're, you got the drum thing going. You got the cardio thing going. You got the... P A D X Y Z P D Q whatever it is that you just you're going out there you're like you get up at five thirty in the morning because I'm going to the gym. You're all in. Well, that, I'm not saying any of that stuff's wrong, but here's the question: How does that compare to your devotion to the Lord? How does that compare to the things of the Lord? You know, even Scripture says that physical fitness, physical, it, it, it's of some value. But of greater value is your spiritual walk, you know? Now, I'm, I'm not here to beat you over the head. I'm here to just try to encourage you. They devoted themselves. How are you doing it? Devoting yourself to these things. When we talk about how they devoted themselves and they were all in, it's important to remember that this didn't mean that there was no place for godly leaders to correct, rebuke, and to encourage. Let's remember that. There were godly leaders. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2 actually says that's what the Apostle Paul said. Timothy, this way you need to take the scripture and you need to correct people, rebuke, and encourage them with the word of God. Come on, lead the people. So there was still leadership. There's still pastors and people in leadership. But the truth of the matter is you'll make time for that which is important to you. You will prioritize. I will prioritize that which is most important to me. Now, the early church, they weren't perfect. But when they started and continued in the faith, de devoting themselves to these things we're going to talk about, can you imagine with me what it would look like to have a church where 100% of people were devoted to these exact same things? You know, we're starting our 20th year as a church. 20 years ago, we started. And, and, as, I, and as I think about the past 20 years, and I look to the next 20 years, how old will you be at 20 years? I ask myself that question. 
I'm going to tell you, I'll be 65. I'll be at the time where we were just talking about this before service, where people are supposedly supposed to start to slow down. It's 20 years. I don't plan to, but I, I just think about that. Where will we be? Well, what if we got 20 years from now? Come on, think with me. And we look back and say, do you remember that one season in 2020 when we just made a, just not like a huge course adjustment, but just a little, just a little shift. And we started focusing on four things as a church. And that guy that was the pastor there at that time, his name was Scott Miller. And he encouraged us. He was a very handsome guy. I hope you say that about me. But he, uh, he encouraged us to be focused on just, could it be that simple that there, if we, what if we just focused on four main, oh, we'll do a lot of other things, but what if we made sure that there were four things that we were covering? Acts 2.42. What if we made sure? Well, today I, I just want to talk to you about one. I want to talk to you about the apostles' doctrine. They devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine, to the word of God. And if you think about it this way, you think about it, um, you look at the other three, uh, to the fellowship, to the bringing of bread, to prayer, all those are pretty much defined by this first one. And, and, and I, I'm saying all of them are important, but the Word of God and grasping and getting our hands around the Word of God, there's something vitally important about this. Now, now understand, put yourself in the text. Let's say you're an Acts 2.42 believer. You were one of the 3,000 that were there on the day of Pentecost and soon after. And, and they were coming daily. People were getting saved. Whoop, this is amazing. And people are getting saved. You're one of them. You, did you have the New Testament? No. You had the Old Testament. And so I understand the Old Testament was there. Um, but it would be some time before the Holy Spirit would inspire men to, to sit down and write what we know now as the New Testament. And the teaching of the apostles then were there. The apostles, that's why it was so important that for the apostles, it was the apostles' doctrine. Because they were there with Jesus. They walked with Jesus. They saw what Jesus did. And they're like, okay, let me tell you about this one time. Okay, this one time, Jesus, um, he, he took the bread and the fish and he multiplied it and he fed thousands of people. And let me tell you about this one time. He called Lazarus out of the grave. Let me tell you about this one time. I mean, that's what, they, and it was probably more organized than that. Um, and they didn't teach them all in like an hour. But as they were with them, I mean, they taught them. This is what the Holy Spirit, uh, as they spent time with, with Jesus, it was the apostles' doctrine that they held on to. <laughs> Think about that. They wanted to make great impact. So note something here. These new converts were not just enjoying a mystical, hyped-up, emotional experience. This wasn't just, listen, experience is great, but we don't build everything we believe and what we're going to build our life on just on experience alone. We build it on the, the firm foundation of the Word of God. And these believers weren't just throwing out the Scriptures, were they? I mean, sometimes you can get that feeling from some believers. Now, we've kind of come out of that, but I remember even when I was younger, I mean, if, 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 it, it was all just about the move of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. And we want that. We long for that. And there are some churches that are all about Holy Spirit, move the Holy Spirit, and, and, and we'll just, what is God doing today and this day, and he's doing a new thing, whatever. And then there's others that are just way over here. It's all about the Word, the Word, the Word, the Word. It's the Bible, it's the Bible, it's the Bible, it's the Bible. And there's, there's no real sensitivity or, or uh, move of the Holy Spirit. Well, what I'm saying is what we want to be is both and. We want to be a, a church that's fully Spirit-filled, but so in love with the Word of God, because that's what we see here in Scripture. 
The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. That means there's substance there. There there was not a feeling that because they had received the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit was the only teacher they needed and they could just do away with human teachers. No, they embraced human teachers. They embraced anointed godly teaching. Side note here, I want you to see something. In verse 42, you see them talking about the apostles' doctrine. In verse 43, you see them talking about the miracles that the apostles performed. They were done by the apostles. You see a pattern in Scripture. Where the doctrine is there, where the preaching of the word is there, miracles are there. Mark chapter 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And and these signs followed them that believed. Come on, they laid hands on the sick. There was miracles that they performed hand in hand. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3, look at this. This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. He's declaring the word of God, the truth of the word of God. God also testified to it by what? Signs, wonders, and various miracles, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You see that? It's not either or. It's not, boy, we're a Bible church, or boy, we're a Holy Spirit church. We're a, we're an everything church. We we, we want both of those, all of those, because that's what we see them experiencing here. Even though these new converts witnessed many miracles, they didn't build their faith only on miracles or the miraculous. And this is important. We want to see the supernatural. We want to see the miraculous. We want to see, we want to have times where we just stand in awe of what God's doing. But the thing that's going to describe that and define that is going to be the Word of God. That's, what, that's where we start. Let me ask you something. Are you devoted to God's Word? Are you hungry for it? Are you pursuing it? Listen, it's my job to devour this throughout the week so that I can give it to you. But I've been convicted even myself as I've prepared this message. I shared it with you last week. One of my challenges is I I don't want to just be diving into the word for sermon prep. I want to because this guy needs the word of God. This guy needs the word of God to change his heart and change his life and point him the direction he needs to go. As believers, we've heard Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. Look on the screen. For the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirits, joints and marrow, judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. But do we really live it? Look on the screen at this next quote, this next thought. Everything we do comes out of the idea of obeying the word of God. This answers any why we may have. Just think about that. That's really where God wants us to be. They devoted themselves to the apostles, to the teaching of the word. Every why that we have God's got an answer for it in his word. Why do we sing? Why do we spend like 35 minutes a a few moments ago singing? Uh, It's because the Bible tells us to. Why do we worship? The Bible tells us. Why do we give? Why do we fellowship? Why do we believe in important things like the sanctity of marriage between a man and a woman? Why do we believe that? Why do we hold so strongly to that? Because the Bible tells us. Why Why do we believe what we believe about human sexuality? It's because the Bible tells us. Why, why, why? It's all here. And all of what we do comes out of a deep devotion to the word of God, the apostles' teaching. And that's why you and I both know it's preeminent in our services. It's preeminent in our youth services, in our student ministry, in our, in our kids' ministries. 
all, everywhere we go, the word of God is at the, at the very front. And, and let me just talk to you for a second about, um, about this and, and how just a slight course correction, just a slight, just kind of turn a little bit. I, I, I'm going to go to the right. I'd rather go to the right than the left. But okay, let's go to the right. Just a slight turn, just a little. Let's just talk about student ministries. You know, from time to time, in fact, I want to talk to every student that's here right now in high school, middle school. I want to talk to every parent who's here that has a high schooler or middle schooler and anyone who is going to have a high schooler or middle schooler. Can I just talk to you? Every once in a while, we've heard this. Um, uh, my, I, I don't want to come to the youth group here at Pathway. Or uh, my kids won't come because none of their friends from school are there. Their friend, or, or all of their friends go to this church or that church for youth group. Okay, I, want, I just want to be honest with you. Heart to heart, I get it. Completely understand. And I don't quite understand some of what's in this generation, but there is, there is a, a real tribal kind of like, this is my tribe, and I'm going to stay with this tribe. And to try to break out of that tribe and be included in several tribes, this is just what, no put down. I mean, there's, there's some really cool stuff that can happen in that tribe. But what I see in this generation is there's a real challenge to get them out of that tribe. And you can also be in this tribe. And you can be in this tribe and this tribe. I get it. I understand it. Um, But here's the point. Our student ministry's goal is not to be a place where all of your kids' friends go from school. I mean, don't get me wrong. We love our student ministries to reach all your kids' friends. The lost ones. If they've got a church, that's fine. But if they don't have a church, we'd love to be able to reach as many of your, your students' friends as possible. But that's not the starting point of our student ministries. So to say that, well, my kid doesn't want to come to because none of his friends from school are there and he doesn't really know anyone. And I, I get that. I understand that. But really, the rallying cry of our student ministries is right here. This is what we rally around. This is what, this is the word of God. Our student ministries is about equipping your student to build everything they think, they believe, they do around a biblical worldview, which I'm assuming you're at that same place. So student, listen. I realize all of your friends from school may not attend here. I realize you may come into our youth group and look around and notice there's no one I hang around with from school that is here. But let me tell you what what our heart is. If you come, and we gather around the word of God, I'll tell you this, friendships will begin to happen. And we're taking steps right now to try to make our, create a student ministry that is open. And it's a place where every student can come in and feel like I fit here. We're getting there. Mom and dad, you gotta be mean about the vision. I know they push back. None of my friends there. I don't know anyone there. I understand that. But the bigger thing is this, is, is, is we're gathering, our starting place is the word of God. And when we, when we gather around the word of God, then, then, then we, we begin to see fellowship naturally ooze out of that. In fact, why is this so important? I was just thinking about it this week. Let's go 10 years from now. Parents, just hear my heart. Let's go 10 years from now. Your kid's out of your house. In fact, they have kids of their own. They, they just had their first kid. They've got the degree or whatever. They're, they're married. They've got the kid. They're living in somewhere else because we know if they lived somewhere in this area, they'd come back to Pathway. I'm sure they'd stay here. Um, but they're living somewhere else. They're looking for a church, and they're going to go into a church. 
And they're, what they're going to do is they're going to look around. Do I know anyone? Does anyone look like me in this place at least, at the very least? Is there anyone that looks like me? Is it, I, don't, I don't know anyone here. And they might go back a week. And they're going to be like, wait a minute. I, I don't know anyone at this church. Because it's been preconceived idea. The idea that we've taught them is, okay, it's, if we walk in. If you don't know anyone, that's okay. You don't need to go. Okay, just, let's just wait 10 years and let it play out. Or let's do something right now. Parents, I, I, I just want to really encourage you. Let's be committed. I know there are some other great youth groups in this community. And if your kids go to those, I just want you to know. It's not like we're sitting around thinking you're evil or anything like that. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. But I'm telling you, at our student ministries, we're going somewhere. We're building young men and women that love the word of God that are building their lives and decisions they make around the word of God. This plays out in our adult life groups too. Um, in our, in, our, in our, life, our life groups, it's the thrust of our life groups. It's, if, if, if the only thing in our life group was built around fellowship, if that's all it was, fellowship is huge, very important in every area of our church. But our life groups are built around the word of God. This is just a, it's just a slight course change. It's not that we didn't have the word of God in it before, but this is the focus. And what we found and what I found is there are times when if the word of God is the starting point, then there might even be people that I'll meet with in a life group that honestly, on a regular basis, if I had to choose, they might not be the people that I'd, I mean, I'd hang out with all the time. But because we have this, 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 this same goal of being fully devoted, all in devoting ourselves to the apostles teaching people. We can gather around this, and then, and then and it's, it's going to be good. It's going to be good stuff. Listen, if we're going to go where God wants us to go in the next 20 years, we've got to get it. We've got to get this. When we devote ourselves, we go all in with the word of God. We'll be okay being in a life group with whoever. Why? Because it's the word of God we're devoting ourselves to. I want you to think about that. I'm not saying there's not going to be times from time to time when maybe someone, you and another person just kind of just, it's like maybe you need to find another life group. Okay, I understand that. But what we have set our goal to be as a church, what we've set our plan, our desire to be as a church is to raise up kids, raise up students, raise up adults who have devoted themselves to the word of God. I know you're with me on that. Not just the information of the word, but allowing it to penetrate and transform their lives as it's lived out day to day, right? Okay, so let's dive a little bit deeper and we'll be done. What does it look like to devote ourselves to the apostles' doctrine? What does it look like to devote yourself to the word of God? The idea for most of us is not necessarily why, but how. Let me just, let me just encourage you with something. Fill this in your notes. Ready? I have to learn it. I've got to learn the word of God. You can't do something you've never learned about. In fact, Jesus rebuked the Sadducees in Mark 12, 24. Look on the screen. Jesus replied, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. Sometimes I just laugh at how truthful and honest. I mean, it's not very PC. It's like, it's not very politically correct. I mean, in today's culture, how would you say that? Your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures. Well, I'm concerned that... The Holy Bible is not very important in your sphere of world. Uh, I mean, no, Jesus just comes out and says, your mistake is you don't know the scriptures. And he's saying these things to, to very uh, um, uh, um, religious people. 
It's like, you really, you don't, you don't get it. You're not, you don't know the power of it. So th- let me ask you something. The problem is, when we have a problem, do we turn to what the Word of God says to tell us how we're going to think and what we're going to think about it? Or do we seek advice from a worldly source, culture, who has no grounding or basis in the Word of God? So we got to learn. The Bible tells me how to act in every situation, so I have to learn it. You know that. How can we learn this a little more effectively? Let me toss out a couple quick things. Ready? How can I learn the Bible more effectively? This is in your notes. The first one, read it slowly. Psalm 1, Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 through 2. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers, But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Do you know what? Do you know what the word of God ought to be? I just, I brought a little visual here to help help a few of us. Um, The word of God ought to be a little bit like a dum-dum. Ready? Heads up. Okay, coming through you. It it ought to, I'm not calling you guys dum-dums. I just, I thought you're going to enjoy this. It ought to be like a good sucker. Right? I mean, when, when we study the Word of God, it ought, it ought to be something that, now there might be a few of you that are just odd, and you take this, and what do you do? You go, and you chew it up right away. But most of us, what's the goal? The goal is to put it in the mouth, mm, and enjoy that thing. I mean, let's make this last. Uh, 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 uh. Let's enjoy this thing. Let's, let's suck on that thing. I, I'm sorry I didn't have enough for everybody. I mean, I thought about it. I was at Sam's Club yesterday. I thought I should get one of those big bags of dum-dums, pass them out at the doors. I'm sorry. I also went through the, the, the drive-thru at, at Chick-fil-A. And I drove up, I drove up and, uh, and they said, hello, can we have your name? I said, Scott. And she said, Josh? No, no, she said, John? And I said, no. Uh, no, it's Scott. No lie. Five seconds pause, and then she said, Josh? <laughs> and I said, no. Yeah, Josh. Josh will work. Josh will work. I just want my chicken sandwich without a pickle. <clears throat> so I didn't, I didn't get you any suckers. But this is what you want the Word of God to be like. And this is my encouragement. I know for some of you, you've set a goal of reading the Bible all the way through this year. And you know what I want to say to you? First of all, I'm going to say to this chair, baloney, I'm, I'm done with that. Um, uh, this is what I want to say to you, is read the Bible in a year, go for it. Been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, I've done it. But even if you read the Bible for a year, in one year, read the whole thing, read three, four, five chapters a day, make sure that there's something you stick in your mouth and you just suck on it. You just, you just meditate on it. You just think on it. It's going to get messy, I'm putting it back. Um, but make sure there's something that you take your time just, I mean, uh, um, um, learning and grasping. The Word of God was not meant just to be informational. It was meant to be transformational. And so uh, as you read it slowly, ask questions like, who? Who wrote this? Who's, who's this person writing it to? What? What's going on here? Why did they write this? Who, what, when, where, why? Where did they write this at? Pull out a Bible map. Google it up. Pull out a Bible map and just say, what, where are they at when they talk about this? Let the word of God just come. Do you know there are times I've spent, 
I know most of you have been there too. I've spent the whole week in my devotions on one chapter in the, in the, in the whole Bible. Because I, I want to make sure I get something from it. Okay, next thing. Read it in community. It's not just me and God. God and me, my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you know for most of history, the Bible couldn't even be read? Because most people couldn't read. So they would come together in a community where the Bible's read and the Bible's explained. And now most of us read in this room. We've gathered together every week in here. We hear the preaching and teaching and reading of the scriptures. We, we um, gather in our life groups or in a, in a youth group or whatever it may be. We gather together. But your faith was meant to be lived out in community. The word of God was meant to be embraced and, 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 and brought in community. Let's go to the next one here. Read it prayerfully. Matt Redman, he's a worship leader. He said it this way. He said, breathe in revelation and breathe out response. Breathe in revelation and breathe out response. Read the Bible, take it in, then breathe it out, breathe it out with a thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for showing me that. Thank you for revealing that to me. Read it prayerfully. For instance, let's just say Romans 8 was your devotion this morning. Romans chapter 8. Well, I'm guessing you might not have gotten past verse 1. Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know what you do? As soon as you read that, that's a revelation. And then you say, thank you, Father. Thank you, God, that there's no condemnation for me. I'm in Christ Jesus. Jesus has washed my sins away. I I stand affirmed. I'm sanctified. I'm justified. I thank you, Jesus, for my life. You read it prayerfully. Read it as your mentor. Write that down. Read it as your mentor. Read with a spiritual expectation that God is going to speak to me through his word. A dude who taught me a lot about this from a distance is Wayne Cordiero. It's in your notes. Um, uh, the name of this book is The Divine Mentor. And if you are uh, part of the hoopla thing through our local library here, you can actually get this book for free, I believe, uh, for 21 days. Um, uh, then you have to renew it. Don't forget to renew. But um, one of the most amazing books, uh, practical books on how to study the Bible sat right there. And he, he, he's the one that really just moved me to think, every time I open the Bible, open it with the thought of, okay, Lord, what do you want to say to me today? Okay, Lord, what do you want to say to me today? The, the thought that every single day the Lord might just want to drop something into your heart to live. How about this? Read it with Jesus in mind. Read it with Jesus in mind. It's easy to read the Bible without including the context and the thought of Jesus. I, I've told you before, when you read the Old Testament, always read it with the New Testament in mind. Read it with Jesus. Why? Because in the New Testament is when Jesus came and fulfilled much of, uh, what, all of what was talked about in the Old Testament. Read it with Jesus in mind. You know, it, it's, for some of you, I, I did your weddings. I, I was a part of officiating your weddings. In fact, if I sat down in Jason and Sarah's living room and I got their beautiful I did your wedding, didn't I? I was, I was thinking I did. Okay, ooh, good. I was trying to remember. It was, oh, you're not? Oh, not officially, okay. Um, if I sat down in their living room and I got their beautiful photo album, I'm sure they have one, of all their wedding photos, and I'm flipping through and I'm saying, gorgeous, amazing, wow. I mean, I look so good in all these pictures. I got my black suit on, and I got my tie on, and my black Bible. Boy, do I look good. 
Why would I not do that? Because that wasn't about me. It was about what? It was about them. When we read the word of God, we've got to read it with Jesus in mind. And what Jesus did is we read in the Old Testament how he came and fulfilled the promises and how the Holy Spirit that was prophesied in Joel was actually poured out in Acts. I mean, we read about what Jesus came to fulfill all of the law in the Old Testament. He came and fulfilled that. What that looks like. Think about Jesus. Think about God. Think about the, the, the Trinity and how God works through the word. I, I got to keep moving, but read it with Jesus in mind. That's uh, one more. Same word. Read it again and again. Read it again and again. Don't stop. In fact, start over. You see, I know some of you are like me. And, and, and I don't read it with the Bible app every day, but there's times when I do. I'll, I'll pull the Bible app up. I just like to have it in front of my face. Um, I went through a, a stage where I read it. I thought, oh, this is cool. I'll read it on my iPad. Oh, this is cool. I'll read it on my phone. And, and I, I just kind of got past the cool stage, I guess. And I went back to the old black and white. But listen, listen. Um, you know, there's, there's this thing on the Bible app. It'll actually keep track of how many days. And there was even a couple of days I was like, oh, man, I better open that up so I can keep my streak going. And you read the verse of the day, you're like, woo! It's not that I wasn't reading the Bible. I was just reading this. But some of you, 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 set, you set a goal. It's January 12th, just in case anyone wants to know. Anyone listening in the future? January 12th, 2020 is when this was, message was shared. Here's the deal. You were hoping, you, when January 1st, you're like, you're hoping by today you would have read the Bible 12 days in a row. <laughs> but for some of you, you're like, oh, I missed a day. No, oh, I missed two days. I just didn't discipline. I didn't take time to really dive into the Word. And probably everyone in this room would, would say that, yeah, I would set a goal of I'd love to read the Bible regularly, hopefully every day on a regular basis. That's my goal. And, and what happens then is we stop, we, we don't do it. And we miss a day or two and condemnation sets in. You're like, well, I, find, I don't even know why I'm trying. And let me tell you what that is. That's the enemy. That's the devil. Because he knows if he can keep you from the very uh, sword of the Spirit, if he can keep you from the power of God and the Word of God, then he's got, he's got a much easier job, right? Am I right? And so this is, this is what I say to you. I, heard, I saw someone say this online. I thought, this is, just start over. Just start over. Don't get condemned. Just start over. Read it. Keep reading it again and again. Because none of us would say, man, I missed breakfast. Oh, and I just worked right through lunch. Oh, man, what? I'm not even going to try to eat supper. I miss breakfast. I miss lunch. I'm not even going to eat tomorrow. No, what would you say? I can't wait for supper. I, I can't wait to hear what we're going to have for dinner. I, I just, uh, whatever you call it, supper, dinner, whatever works for you. But I can't wait. I miss breakfast. I miss lunch. Oh, that that would be the way we feel about the Word of God, Right? When you devote yourself to the word of God, the apostles' doctrine, it's like, man, I missed a day. I missed two days. Oh, I just can't wait to get, I got to get back. I can't go any further right now. I just, I've got to read the word. I've got to get something from the Lord. Okay. So you got to learn it. Second thing is this. You got to accept it. Accept it. Write that in your notes, will you? I have to accept it. We'll fly through this. That means I accept its authority in my life. And there are things in the Bible I don't understand, but listen, I accept it. There are things in the Bible I don't like, but I accept it. There are things in the Bible that are inconvenient, but I accept it. There are things in the Bible I wish God had not said, 
but I accept it because God is God and I am not, and so I accept it. The Bible says this in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. When you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. Not as the word of men, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe you accept it. You got to believe it for God to work it in your life. A spirit-filled, fully devoted, all-in church is one that studies and submits to biblical instruction. The Spirit of God leads the people of God to submit to the Word of God. And the early church was devoted to this. This wasn't an option. I know I don't need to say this, but as I look at the next 20 years, come on, think with me. 20 years from now, let's refuse to be a church that walks away from Scripture. Let's refuse to be a church that attempts to still even cover up other or cover other areas of church life, but let scripture diminish. Do you know we could still gather here and put the Bible aside? We could. We could still gather here for what we fellowship. It's not biblical fellowship, but we could get together fellowship like a country club or, you know, a bridge club or, you know, whatever maybe. Let's just get together and let's just We could we could even have a prayer meeting might turn more into gossip session because if it's not driven by exactly the kind of prayer the Bible would say. That, but we could do some of these other functions. But why would we? Because if we walk away from the authority of the Word of God, we're completely missing what the early church was committed to and what God would have us to be committed to. Amen? I don't agree with everything Luther said, but on this he was right on. The Bible is alive. It speaks to me. Look at this on the screen. On the screen. There we go. The Bible is alive. It speaks to me. It has feet. It runs after me. It has hands. It lays hold on me. Listen, one of our leaders several uh, months ago said it this way. We're teaching the word of God to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, not just to go to church, not just to put our time in. We are teaching to have a relationship with Jesus because the word of God comes alive in my heart. Let it come alive in you. Okay, so we said, I got to learn it, I got to accept it, and now it's the third and final thought. I got to act on it. And just before you're like, oh, I'm going to put my notes away, just keep, it out, keep your notes right there, because I want you to underline or circle something in this next verse, John 13, 17. Is it spelled out in your notes? John 13, duh, like I said. Go ahead and put it away. No, no I'm just joking. Now look on the screen. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed since you know them. No, that's not what it says. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you write them down in your journal, perhaps make a meme to put on social media. I do that. You might do that. But that's not what it says. Nothing wrong with those things. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Are we doers of the word? Or are we just, as James says, hearers of the word? You don't get blessed for the parts of the Bible you know. You get blessed for the parts of the Bible you do. So I've got to learn it. I've got to accept it. I've got to go act on it. I was in kids' church. Mm-hmm. 
awesome. You know what I'm saying in here. The wise man built his house upon the rock. Luke chapter uh, uh, 6, verse 46. Let's read this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? We got to act on it. You want to be all in, devoted to the word of God, then we better be people that are committed to act on it. And, and so I'll show you what it's like. He who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, he's like a man building a house. A wise man built his house upon the rock who dug deep down, laid the foundation on a rock. And when a flood came, the rains came down, the, flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. And the house on the rock stood firm. Okay, and then you got the foolish man. Verse 49, but the one who hears my words, the foolish man, and does not put them into practice is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation on the sand. The moment the torrent struck, the house on the sand went splat, is what the song says. But the word of God says it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. Listen, my call, my job is to help you build your house on a firm foundation. And that may mean sometimes I'm going to say things that you don't like. But I'd rather you not like me than to stand before God one day and say, why didn't you preach the truth? Why didn't you share the truth? Why didn't you say, why didn't you? No, no, no. I'm going to share the truth. I'm going to toss it out there the best that I can. And I want to see your house built upon the word of God. And this means a, a, a house. I'm talking your whole house. I'm talking if, you, if you're single, you. If you're married, you and your spouse. If you have kids, you, your spouse, and your kids. I want to see all of you building your house on a firm foundation of Jesus Christ and upon the word of God. And Jesus says the way you do that is you build your house on the word of God by doing what he says, by acting on it. Let me say this again. The Bible was never meant just to be informational only. Have you ever met someone who's like a walking Bible? but they have very little of it lived out. Man, over the years, I've met many people like that. They could quote scripture better than me. They could share all kinds of... I, I meet atheists that just, they have a great grasp of the word of God. I can think of one right, right now, great grasp of the word of God. He just doesn't believe it. He doesn't live it, doesn't act it out. But the word of God was not meant to be informational. Oh, isn't that a good book? Oh, isn't that interesting? Oh, isn't that good? No, it was meant to be Transformational. That information reaches your heart, transforms the way you and I live. We believe it and we obey it. So when do I do that? You, you, excuse me. When I do that, you know what happens? My life gets recreated. My guilt gets taken away. My mood changes. My faith gets activated. My spiritual growth just keeps growing and growing and growing. And all these happen when I learn it, when I accept it, and when I do it. So here's a scripture, or here's, here's a question. How you doing at this? In 2020, what, what do you need to do to be a fully devoted follower, a, a self-devoted? They devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine, to the teaching of the word of God. What do you need to do to be all in on the word of God? Bottom line it, Scott. Okay. Well, really, this is what it looks like lived out in, in a lot of ways. Is when there's an issue in culture you got to decide, who are you going to help define what you're going to believe about that? Are, are, are you going to look to what culture says or what the Bible says? 
Or are you going to try to mix? This is what some people do. They take, they take well, I love what Jesus, he's peace, love, joy. I love all that. And then, but I think that there's some people that the Christians don't like or the Christians think this is bad and Christians say this is sin and I don't really think it is and so I'm just gonna mix the two. And what happens is, is you, you have nothing then. Really, when you mix those two, you have nothing because the word of God is meant to stand alone. Or maybe, maybe um, you've never given your life to Christ and so everything you believe is based on culture or let's even just say your friends and maybe you've even got good friends. And they've got a pretty good, you know, don't murder, don't steal, don't, don't uh, commit adultery. And they've got a good background overall, kind of a base, a moral base. But when push comes to shove, as certain issues become hotter and hotter and hotter buttons in our society, we've got to take a stand. And when you take a stand, are you going to take a stand on what culture says or on what the Word of God says? And what, what we're studying here today and what we're saying God wants us to be it's people who are 100% building our lives on the word of God, fully devoted to this. This is what informs my belief system. Have you devoted yourself to this? Are you all in? Would you stand with me as we pray?